I'm Sean Cheatham, the Chief Commercial Officer here at Hayes. And in every episode of How Did You Get That Job? We meet a leader from technology who shares their wisdom and their real world experiences of the tech industry. The tech industry always says how important it is to have the desired skills for the roles. But all of our guests in this series have said, be successful, you must have an open mind, have the right attitude, and the willingness to keep learning. At Hayes, we call this skills development, but you may hear it being referred to more widely in the industry as upskilling. I definitely think with the technology that's changing, the speed is changing. With the right attitude and the willingness to learn and the ability to learn, I think is a very, very important criteria when we look for talent. In this special episode, I've been joined by Harry Gooding. Harry is a solution director at Hayes and also a presenter of Tech Founders Live, a LinkedIn live series where he meets founders from technology and talks to them about skills development and personal growth. So he's perfectly placed to be talking to us about the current market trends today, the difference between skills and talent, and what you need to do to stand out. Hey, Harry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So when we talk about skills development, what exactly are we talking about and who does that impact? It's certainly a big term, skills development, I think. What we're really talking about is people, people acquiring skills. That could be anything. That could be technical skills. That could be what's often known as soft skills, which I'm not a huge fan of the term of. But when people are developing their skills, typically it will be with a kind of clear objective in mind. So we like the idea that people are doing learning for learning's sake. But most of the time, when we talk about skills development, it's with an objective in mind. So someone might be developing their skills because they want to shift careers or enter a new career or upskill to try and work towards a promotion or something like that. So then, Harry, how can Hayes be a part of the development? So Hayes has recently established a brand new business as part of the group. We find high potential individuals, often in hard to access areas. So we talk about undiscovered talent. So that could be people who are neurodiverse. It could be people who are coming out of care or out of the military or shifting careers or ex-refugees or people used to be homeless. But we have big network of charity partners that help us get to them and then we support them with skills development opportunities and financial support and career opportunities so we create academy programs with our big employer partners and then we open up these opportunities to what we call undiscovered talent and and help develop them into those roles so it's clearly a super interesting subject for us to discuss today because one that's very close to mine and, and our hearts When we're talking about skills development, is this a trend which has emerged because of the rapid nature of change in technology? Definitely. I think there's a real misconception that to work in technology means doing technology, as it were. And I think generally people picture working at Google or Amazon or whatever as you need to be a coder, you need to write software and that kind of complicated stuff that I think puts people off, actually. But technology businesses are businesses like any other. They have salespeople, they have marketing people, they have administrators, they've got analysts, project managers, and and everything in between. So I think there's a bit of work that needs to be done to kind of try and improve brand technology or the opportunities that exist within the world of technology, because lots of them really don't require deep technical knowledge. And actually, one of the skill sets that we observe is often missing in the world of technology is the ability to kind of translate. So the ability to interpret and translate complex technical details into understandable simple English and kind of business objectives and business talk and when we look at the people at the top of 
different bits of technology organizations, often the skill that's helped them get there is actually that kind of communication skill more than anything. And I think that's something that probably does need to be brought to life a little bit. It's really interesting that you say that, Harry. When we talked to Ellen Wu in our podcast, she said the exact same thing about a designer in her company. Let's take a listen. You don't have to actually sit down and code all the time to be in technology. There's so many skills in the technology world that you could really learn and be part of the technology team. I mentioned that our best UI UX designer came from a design background that never seen a line of code in his past, but he designed the most sleek, most friction-free interface that we have on our application because you can think of how human interact with technology. Where do you think listeners of this podcast could look to to adopt skills? And is there some structure to it or is it you know, really just kind of going out and look at some YouTube videos? <laughs> That's a great question. And I think one of the things, actually, the availability of learning resources, I think, has been a bit of a hindrance to people acquiring new skills. And that might sound a bit juxtaposed, I guess. But most of what you want to learn and most courses that you might want to do are probably available online right now and probably free. There's huge learning aggregator platforms that have assembled the best and worst of huge sums of learning materials. It could be from universities, it could be from schools, it could be online resources and everything else. There's almost anything you could think of kind of available right in front of you. Normally, you have to pay to get the accreditations and certifications, but if you just want to acquire the knowledge, it's probably there available. Now, having said that, I think the wealth of what's out there can actually put people off because you almost don't know where to start. And if you go to one of these big aggregators and search project management courses, for example, there will be tens of thousands of options in front of you that you could potentially look at. And actually, that's not always that helpful. There's a lot out there. I think the challenge people often find is trying to pick the right thing. But separate to that, most organizations we work with will have structured learning programs in place of some description. And there's been some interesting stats. I was actually working with some universities this week where we did a survey with a body that works with the technology teams in universities who says that the number one benefit people look for when they're joining those firms is learning and development opportunities to help progress their careers. And it was something like 75% of people cited that as their number one thing. But in the same breath, 75% of those organizations do actually offer structured learning programs to their people. So there's just something here about kind of connect the need with the relevant materials. And, and I think often the ask for the people listening is ask ask what's available, ask what would be best suited, ask what your manager thinks would help you take you to the next level. Because again, that's probably there. But then also having things like professional mentors to kind of help guide and shape you and shape what you should be learning and why and aligning that a bit to what your kind of career objectives can be a massive help. Rebecca Keenan at the start of series two said you should use your own initiative to look to learn. Let's take a listen. There should be a little bit of responsibility on yourself to upskill on what that might mean for you. And I think as well, we have to put pressure on, you know, our employers to say, okay, if you're bringing all this new technology in, what does that mean for me? What does that look like? What training paths are available? So, you know, there's, I think there's responsibility on both sides of the fence to make sure that upskilling is there. 
Are workplaces looking for just skills or is it really the talent of the individual? So I think that has had to change recently. Most of the time, in my experience working with organizations around talent and skills, people want to hire the ready-made product. So they think that if you have eight years experience working in a certain discipline, that's what will mean you're capable of doing the job we need you to do today. And so in that example, I think people are hiring the skills. They're looking for the specific skills they want this framework, this language, this much experience, it should be this kind of environment working, this kind of e-commerce platform or whatever. That's what we want. And that gives us assurance that the person will be able to do the job. Now, I think the reality of the market today is there's not enough people there. The demand of that sort of individual, there's simply not enough available on the market. And I think more and more, and part of what we do now in our skills business is to help people see slightly differently about skills capabilities so if it's eight years experience in language x or framework y that's that role there but actually there's a spectrum of capability within that there's much much more junior versions of that and much more senior versions of that and if you're able to view the skill level kind of vertically like that there's always someone somewhere that is either at the very beginning of that story or, or not so i think it's important to look at people's potential people's motivations because actually often giving them the skills and the ability to learn those skills isn't always that difficult. Finding people with the perfect attitude that match the culture that you think will work brilliantly with the team you've got, that's as hard as finding the eight years experience with language Y. So I kind of really beat the drum on, we must be thinking about people and potential as much as we're looking at proven experience. Because if you are just looking at proven experience, you are going to get left behind. I mean, to try and bring that to life... 82% of employees and 62% of HR directors said they believe that workers will need to reskill or upskill at least once a year to maintain a competitive advantage on the global job market. There's a huge need for people to start thinking about skills development as a core part of their roles and for organizations to do the same, I think. Yeah, and having the talent and the ability to do that is really important. I, I, almost every guest has mentioned it's really about talent and attitude in today's world as opposed to just skills. When we work with organizations to try and think with them and help them to think about what their organization needs to look like in the future and why certain areas are going to be particularly challenging, I'm normally pretty alarmed by how few of those companies we speak to will actually have clear career pathways mapped for all the different areas of their business so that someone at any stage knows what's coming next, what they need to do to get there, you know, what skills they need to acquire to get to the next level up and the level after that. That's very rare to see. What's even rarer is people who've taken the time to think kind of horizontally about the skills they have as well. So, you know, you might need people with X number of years in a certain technology, but actually it's pretty similar to a different bit of technology that you use somewhere else in your business. And the shift from kind of that bit to the thing you need so badly today might only be a couple of weeks training if someone's got eight years experience coding, say, in JavaScript, but you're desperate for Salesforce developers because developing in Salesforce is broadly scripting in JavaScript. There's just some nuances about how the platform works. But trying to think about that, you've got the vertical progression lines, but there's also a kind of horizontal career or not skills shift kind of move potential, I think, that again, it's a lot of work to do, but I think we will see more and more organizations needing to have that kind of 
taxonomy, that kind of matrix view of all the things they need and, and what they've got today. Yeah, so we're talking about upskilling. I mean, talk about the benefits to the tech professionals to take an active role in that. Normally, the kind of most positive experiences you can have as a person is to learn new skills. It's rewarding doing it at the time. And clearly, it's rewarding having acquired the skills and being able to do and achieve new things. So I'm always slightly surprised by the reaction to learning programs. You know, when you receive an invite to join a learning session in your diary, I would be interested to know how many people go, oh, yes, I've got a chance to go to a workshop versus, oh, no, this is going to take me away from BAU. There is a bit of a kind of cultural shift and people talk about kind of becoming a learning business and becoming a, a learning organization. And I think for me, that has to start right from the top of the business. You have to be watching your managers and their managers go on learning programs, share what they've learned, bang the drum about the experience and just try to have a slightly different view of what it means when you do, in fact, take the time to go and acquire new skills and hope that that really trickles down so people start to get those invites and genuinely feel positive about the fact they've got a chance to learn something new. I think I'm slightly sort of hopelessly old-fashioned and romantic about this stuff, but I find learning anything, actually, learning anything new is exciting in some way or other, even if it's learning how to fill the hole that you left in your wall after taking the picture hook down and figuring out how to sand that and paint that. That's new skills. You're still learning those new skills. And once you've done it once, you can do it again. And then you think, oh, maybe I will move the pictures around and whatever else. And I think that's the same in anything, but it is about having the right mindset when you go into it. Yeah, totally agree. And and it's so easy to learn these days. There's so many platforms out there to help you do that, as you mentioned earlier. And Harry, how can our listeners discover more? I think the reality is, Most people have something on their mind that they sort of wish they were better at. Now, in the teams I work in, often that will be Excel skills, right? And I mean that with a lot of love for the people I work with, but I hear that a lot. I wish I was better at this. I wish I knew how to do X. I always have to call so-and-so to help me with that kind of stuff. Now, the reason I mention that is, for me, learning and skills development starts with self-reflection. I think the wrong way of approaching skills development is to go online and go, all right, I want to learn something or I want to get better at something. I think the right way to do it is to actually have a little bit of a think about where you're at with what you know today. Is there more you could be knowing about your kind of core functions? Are there things that you think would help you progress your career? Could you get some adjacent skills, some extra qualifications somewhere that you think would help you understand what the person next to you does or the team over there does that might help you perform better in your role? Or are there just things, passions, hobbies, interests that you've always wished you were better at, whether that's filling in holes in walls or whatever else it may be? I think if you can start with what it is you think you want to learn and why, I suspect that's a much, much harder exercise than can I find a course that will help me get there? Typically, courses, programs, trainers, online learning, six-week courses, 12-week courses, boot camps, six-month courses, whatever, they're all there. They all exist. What's much harder is to take the time to think, what do I really want to know and why? And that, for me, should be the sort of conversation, if it is career development-wise, I don't think there's a better conversation you can have with your manager, really, than saying, I want to improve, I want to get better, I want to progress my career. Here are the skills I think I want to learn to do that. Do you agree? What else would you recommend? Have you ever been on some training programs that made a material difference to your career? And work on that together, because... 
once you've gone through that process, particularly with someone else, particularly with your manager, you sort of find yourself a bit more committed to doing it as well. So you think there's a better chance of seeing through on, on kind of what you're promising. So although it's a slightly different answer to the question, where can you find out more? I would suggest that you definitely want to start with that process of sort of self-reflection and bring people into it, whether that's your manager, your friends, your partner, whoever, people who know you and people who who would give you a sort of second opinion on what might help. I think that's a really, really good place to start. All of this has been great. Now, let's say someone listening has heard all this, gone about some upskilling on their own. What advice would you give them to get to the market? You know, this is an old bit of advice, which is you do need to be your own marketing department a little bit when you're looking for work and when you're trying to progress your career. And it's often something people feel uncomfortable with, particularly in the UK, is self-promotion a lot of the time. But for me, one of the most important parts of someone's profile, someone's CV, someone's LinkedIn profile, whatever it might be, is to share the courses and the things that you've studied. I think a lot of the time, unless it's got a big certificate at the end of it that's industry-recognised, you know, it doesn't have a place on my CV, but more and more we will see people with long courses, short courses, micro courses, things I'm learning at the moment, passions and interests of what I'm studying. And again, in the world where there's less and less of exactly the level of skills everybody needs, thinking about CVs as obviously it's a list of chronological reverse, often reverse chronological list of facts, but actually a bit more about who the person is you know, the things they're learning, where they're trying to go in their career, what their personal objectives are, what they want from their opportunities. I think that's a really important part of someone's profile. And if you're in an organisation driving for a promotion or progression or a move and you're studying to help you get there, I would say, again, bring the organisation along that journey with you. Make sure that you're getting the support and the um, sponsorship from your manager and their manager and everybody around you. And if you are looking for work and you're looking for skills development opportunities, I'd be loath not to mention the fact that obviously Hayes can help you on that journey in lots of different ways, whether that's opportunities or skills development opportunities or anything like that. Yeah, I think it's key that when we talked about earlier that it's about talent and attitude. I mean, nothing shows that better than your willingness to go out and self-improve, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And more and more employers and customers of ours there's a shift happening in terms of what they're looking for and how they think about developing individuals. So helping them on that journey a bit during interviews of saying, yeah, this is where I'm at today. I really want to get to that point. You know, I'm on the course or I want to be on the course that will get me there. And those are really positive messages to share. Harry, you've been great. Really insightful. I feel like I've learned a lot. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's been really good to talk. That was Harry Gooding, the solution director at Hayes and presenter of Tech Founders Live. To find out more about Hayes and to download a copy of our Global Mindset Report for yourselves, then visit www.expertsintechnology.hayes.com. I'm Sean Cheatham, the Chief Commercial Officer at Hayes, and you've been listening to How Did You Get That Job? Check out our previous past two series of this podcast and make sure you hit follow wherever you get your podcasts.